This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, true pilot stories from the world of general aviation. In this episode, a VFR flight on a chilly winter night becomes very oily. Find out what happens in A Slap in the Face by Mel Calvert. Way back in 1961, I acquired an Avion. I loved the way it looked. I loved its stability, and I never lost the thrill of dumping those barn door flaps on a calm day and going almost straight down without gaining any airspeed. What a rush. On a beautiful warm day in January 1962, my father and I took off from Fullerton Airport in Orange County on the first leg of a planned round-trip business flight to Saginaw, Michigan. We crossed the southern edge of the Painted Desert, stopping at the first of several fuel points, and continued on with nothing out of the ordinary until my snoozing dad sat bolt upright with a what's that at the abrupt silence when I let the right tank run dry before switching to the remaining hour of fuel in the left tank. It was hilarious, and we laughed about it for years afterward. The only fuel stops that are vivid in my mind are two. The first one in St. Louis, where we both caught a late-night nap on the top of a flight planning table. We decided to catch a few winks and get out again by around 4 a.m., and it seemed like only a few minutes until Dad was shaking me and saying, Hey, it's 4 a.m. Let's go find something to eat. So, struggling to wake up, we walked for about 10 minutes until we found an all-night diner and went in and ordered coffee. I glanced up at a clock on the wall and saw that it said 12.40. Figuring the clock was wrong, my watch was in my flight bag, I asked the waitress for the time. Looking up at the clock, she said, It's right there, sweetie, 1241. We had slept for one hour and 20 minutes. 20 minutes past midnight looked like 4 a.m. to my bleary-eyed dad. Our last stop at Meigs Field on Chicago's Lake Michigan shoreline is where the reality of winter slapped us in the face. It was so cold that Dad stayed inside the airplane during the refueling while I ran inside to pay the tab. Having left instructions with the line guy to top it off and check the oil, 
I returned to fire up the E-225 Continental as fast as possible, going directly from the warm FBO office into the cockpit without passing go or collecting $200. A glance told me the cowl was buttoned down, which is all the assurance I needed. Our final destination was the FBO at Tri-City Airport between Saginaw, Bay City, and Midland. And since it was well past midnight when we lifted off, and since I wasn't instrument rated, and since I had long before developed a total cowardice of flying over large bodies of water without a spare engine on board, especially at night, we stayed within gliding distance of the shoreline as we headed northeast in the Great Chicken Circle route. By the time we reached altitude and had the beacon in sight at Tri-City, although we were still over the lake, I noticed that the oil pressure gauge was moving slowly but surely to the left. You may already know what's coming. Since the engine was purring beautifully and all other needles were where they should be, I wasn't too concerned. Then, just as we cleared the lake and were on a direct course for Tri-City, all the electrical shut down with a barely audible thump. Everything went dim at once, and realizing we were draining the battery, I shut off the master switch and kept the Tri-City beacon on the nose. Oh, I also continued to fly the airplane, and Dad was still asleep. The remainder of the final leg went by without further notice, and as memory serves me, there was no operating tower at that time of the night. We landed without problem. With plenty of battery left for lights and gear, we taxied up to a hangar and shut it down. As I stepped out of the sliding canopy, imagine my surprise when I saw that the side of the airplane, from the back of the cowl to the tail, was covered in oil. Opening the cowl and looking inside, there, resting on a narrow metal ledge, looking accusingly back up at me, was the oil filler cap, right where the line guy had left it after putting in a quart right where I had failed to look before taking off because my fingers and feet were a little chilly. There was no repair shop at Tri-City. The next morning I took off solo to go the short distance to Saginaw Municipal for what was to be a wash job and an engine steam clean, but what turned out to include the replacement of a jug that blew out as I landed at Saginaw. I have long since remembered other numerous exciting events when I should have no longer been walking around alive, when I realized that somebody up there likes me. Now that would be a great title for a book or a movie. It is readily obvious what I learned. No matter how much of a hurry you may be in, nor how much you have on your mind, nor whether your arms are loaded, do not get into the airplane, start it up, taxi to the active runway, and take off without first doing a complete pre-flight, including looking at and touching the oil filler cap and making sure it is snug. I have gone over the what-ifs time and time again. What if it had not been a beautiful, clear night, and because of reduced visibility, I had not had the Tri-City beacon on the nose and could only do an occasional radio check? What if I had decided to go on to Detroit the next morning after our early morning business meeting as some wanted us to do, instead of getting the airplane detailed with a complete wash job. Emergency blown jug landing, anyone? Therefore, though you have heard it many times before, 
Every flight should begin with a thorough pre-flight inspection, without exception, and a look under the cowl after refueling. Just do it, and you will most likely never have to wash the oil off your plane. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, and by AOPA Pilot Magazine. You can read more Never Again stories online at aopa.org slash neveragain. While you're there, you can also join online discussions, check out AOPA's online flight planner, and take interactive online courses from the Air Safety Institute. All of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again Podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.